Welcome to the Doc Lounge Podcast, Crazy Cases Series. In this series, we will explore some of the most unusual and interesting cases medicine has ever seen. We will speak with providers of all specialties from all over the nation. We will hear firsthand accounts from symptoms to treatments to cures. So sit back, relax, and let's explore some crazy cases. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Crazy Cases series of our Doc Lounge podcast. I am your host, Summer Gilbert, and I am here with our EVP of training. You guys probably know him well now, Mr. Chris Call. Thanks, Chris, for hanging with me today in the studio. Oh, thank you for having me, Summer. No problem, Chris. Um, I have a feeling this episode's going to be a good one. Today on the podcast, we're talking to Dr. Natasha Banerjee, board-certified hematologist and oncologist. Um, We are going to talk to Dr. Banerjee today about one of her most unusual and interesting cases. So, Dr. Banerjee, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Of course. So to get started, um, how did the patient present to you and, and what were the symptoms? Yeah, uh, this was a case I had uh, shortly after I finished my fellowship, and I was a new attending uh, at a teaching hospital. And we had a man who was in his 60s come into the emergency room with altered mental status. Uh, He was confused. he was awake and answering questions but not answering them appropriately and uh, it seemed like he had had sort of a downward decline over the last few months where he had progressively become more and more confused. Um, His complexion had also turned a reddish color um, and he had been complaining of pain in his belly as well. And did did he start in the ER and then was sent to you? He started in the ER, and they drew some blood tests there, um, and we were called for uh, an abnormally elevated hemoglobin and hematocrit. Gotcha. And then what was your next steps? So his hematocrit was the highest I had ever seen. Uh, It was over 65. It was extremely elevated, and uh, we were concerned that he had... um, polycythemia vera, which is a hematologic malignancy of red blood cells, and that's usually what causes an elevated hematocrit. Uh, So generally for these patients, what we do is we phlebotomize them, um, we insert a needle, and we actually draw blood out to lower their hematocrit levels. Oh, interesting. And then did you get, um, what were your results for that? So before doing that, we decided to do a workup to make sure that uh, what was going on was due to polycythemia vera. There are other potential causes also of an elevated hemoglobin and hematocrit. Um, Some of these can include um, COPD or chronic lung disease or severe heart failure or conditions where a person doesn't receive enough oxygen uh, to their body, and so their body compensates by making more red blood cells. So we did a brief workup, and uh, another part of the workup is doing an erythropoietin level, and this can help distinguish between primary or secondary polycythemia, and the results we got were very surprising. Wow. Uh, Tell us about those results. 
so what we found was that the erythropoietin level was markedly elevated. It was higher than I had ever seen it. It was over 60,000. Um, and when you see that, the main concern is for a cancer, in particular a kidney cancer, that uh, secretes erythropoietin. Uh, normally, the kidney makes erythropoietin, but when we have a kidney cancer, those malignant cells can secrete high amounts of erythropoietin. And so that was what was happening here. We ended up doing a CT scan of the patient's abdomen, and we found that he had a very large kidney cancer, which was unfortunately metastatic, but that was the cause of the extremely elevated erythropoietin. And that, in turn, was pushing his body to make large amounts of extra red blood cells and causing the very elevated hematocrit. Wow. And, and this is really rare? This is very rare. This is something that we generally only read about in textbooks, um, but it's very rare to actually see it and in such a, an extreme scenario like this one. Yeah. So what was your treatment plan? So... Generally, the treatment is to uh, target the kidney cancer. If you can remove the kidney cancer and remove those cells that are secreting erythropoietin, then uh, you can take care of the problem that way. Unfortunately, because this patient had a widely metastatic kidney cancer, um, it wasn't able to be removed surgically. And so, for the time being, we were concerned that the um, high viscosity of his blood was causing his altered mental status and making him altered. So we ended up doing phlebotomy to uh, remove some of the blood and to try to improve his mental status. Uh, we ended up phlebotomizing him about three times over the course of his hospitalization. Each time we removed about 500 cc's of blood. Um, and this did bring his hematocrit level down a bit, uh, but unfortunately his mental status didn't clear up as we did this. What is causing the decrease in mental status? Well, sometimes when um, when the hematocrit is very elevated and there's such a large amount of red blood cells in the circulation, that can increase the viscosity of the blood and cause slow flow through blood vessels. And if that occurs in the blood vessels that supply the brain, then uh, it can almost cause a stroke-like picture where you don't get adequate blood flow to the brain and it can cause... Uh, various issues. One of them could be altered mental status. Wow. Um, and and so what what were the results for this? So unfortunately, the phlebotomy didn't improve the patient's mental status. We did want to attempt to give him some treatment for his metastatic kidney cancer, which generally these days um, would be a uh, a targeted therapy. Um, against the kidney cancer, but because of his mental status not improving, we really weren't able to treat him for the kidney cancer, um, and he ended up going on hospice, uh, and he passed away shortly a few weeks later. Dang. How long uh, was this time frame from the emergency visit till hospice? Uh, it was approximately eight weeks. Um, wow. You know, when he came to the emergency room, uh, the 
uh, all of the findings that he had, the altered mental status, the elevated erythropoietin level, the very elevated hematocrit, these were all unfortunately late findings and indicative of a very, very advanced kidney cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunately, you know, had he come in earlier when some of these symptoms had started, maybe we would have been able to um, treat him earlier and make some progress on the cancer. But he came in at a very advanced stage where uh, it was really too late for anything to be effective. For patients with this, can they get a kidney transplant? No, unfortunately. Um, For kidney cancer, a kidney transplant isn't really considered a viable therapeutic option, but if kidney cancer is caught early, it's usually removed with surgery, um, and that can be curative. When kidney cancer is metastatic, uh, a transplant or surgery is usually not possible. Wow. Looking back at this case, is there anything that you wish you would have done differently? Unfortunately, in this case, I think um, when cancer presents at such an advanced stage, uh, it's usually not helpful to try to reverse it. Um, The therapies we have, while they can sometimes make people feel a little bit better or prolong their life by a month or two, they unfortunately come with their own side effects. So in this case, when the patient presented at such an advanced stage, the best thing for him was really making him comfortable, um, as comfortable as possible in the remaining time that he had left. Uh, But if we can catch kidney cancer or other cancers at an earlier stage, we potentially could have you know, reversed a lot of this um, and allowed him to live a lot longer. Around how old was the patient? He was in his late 60s. Okay, so he still had a a pretty long life. He did, and and before a lot of this happened, um, you know, he he was a very high-functioning person and was really living a normal life. And uh, we heard from friends that he was living with that this had seemed to be sort of a slow decline maybe over the last eight to nine months. So, you know, we were guessing that if he had come in maybe at the onset of his symptoms, um, we, we really could have prevented a lot of this from happening. But unfortunately, when he came in, uh, it was just at too advanced a stage. Do we know any research about um, what causes this type of cancer? Um, in most cases, uh, it, it's unfortunately just by chance. There are some rare uh, genetic syndromes, such as von Hippel-Lindau or VHL, which can predispose to kidney cancers. Um, but but in most cases, these are really just by chance. Yeah. Wow. So this is one of those cases that you might not see again in the rest of your career. Yeah, I I really doubt that I will ever see um, a case as extreme as this again in my career. Yeah. Wow. Very, very interesting. Well, thank you so much for sharing this case with us. I really appreciate it. Sure. It it was a fantastic teaching case. um, And uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad to share this. Yeah, thanks again. I'm sure it's going to be really helpful for those medical students and physicians listening. Um, I'm going to do something a little bit different at the end of this episode. Um, I'm really inspired that you are a mother and um, you're working in oncology, you're researching, you've got a lot going on. For those medical students listening, what advice do you have for them in 
you know, balancing that time as a mother and a physician? Sure. Um, I think um, as women, we, we have a lot of responsibilities on our plate, especially when it comes to building a family and having kids and uh, working as a doctor. Um, I think one of the best pieces of advice I have is that it can be done. Uh, it sometimes seems difficult to do everything, but it definitely can be done. And a lot of times we feel like we have to give up one or the other, you know, work or um, spending time with the family at home. Uh, but I think with help uh, and with the right balance, it's definitely definitely possible, whether that means um, taking a part-time working job or hiring help at home. Uh, I think there are many ways to make it work. And um, as much as it can be difficult along the way, it's absolutely possible. Uh, and I think our kids appreciate it, being able to see uh, their mothers do something that they're passionate about and that they're really good at. Uh, and, and I think it's a good thing for our kids to see as they grow up. Absolutely. And we've actually had many uh, doctors on the podcast who their stories are their mother or father or both were physicians, and it completely inspired them to do it themselves. So Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with with that. Well, I just wanted to add that little thing on because I think it's kind of an important thing, especially for um, our you know younger women listening. I know uh, it is. It, it's great to have um, uh, to know about other women who are successful at what they do, um, you know, and and have mentors and people to look up to as you go through that yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again. Um, for talking with us today. Today for having me. No problem. Well, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks again. And uh, hopefully we can have you on for round two. And if you have any other interesting cases, email me. and We'll get you back on. I will let you know. Yeah. Thank you. All right. No problem. Bye. Bye. Thank you to all our listeners. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes air, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And thank you to Pacific Companies. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. If you'd like to be a guest or for more information, go to www.pacificcompanies.com.